First Kings chapter 5. Everybody should be there by now, right? If you say yes, I'll know it. Yes. There you go. Thank you. We're going to read down to the 19th verse. Depending on your translation, God's word reads this way. The king of Syria had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord has given Abram, or Syria, great victories. But, through Na- but though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, the Syrian raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid or a slave. One day, this girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told his king, the king of Syria, what the young girl had said, go to Israel. And the king of Syria says, go and visit the prophet. The king of Abram told him, and I will send a letter of introduction for you to take the king, take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying gifts, 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, uh, 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, with this letter I present my servant Naaman, and I want you to heal him of leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, this man sends me a leper to heal? Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's not trying, he's trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elijah, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset, said Naaman? Send him to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elijah sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Then your skin will be restored, and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stormed away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and to call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Albion, and the Farpar better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why should I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away in a rage. Authorized translations say he was livid. He was storming. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should simply... so." So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times, and the man of God, as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, now, say now, now. I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept my gift from your servant. But Elijah replied, 
As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elijah refused. Then Naaman said, All right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth from this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master, the king, goes into the temple to, to worship his gods there, and, I lean, and he leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to. And verse 19 concludes, Go in peace, Elijah said to Naaman, and start home again. We started this, this series, There is a Cloud, months ago. And we've been talking about the, the prophets, Elijah and Elijah, and the miracles that God did through them for his glory and our good. And as we relived and, and, and heard, maybe for the first time, these miracles that Pastor Lucas has shared and that, that Pastor Tim had shared, and I mean, we got acts floating, if, I mean, rivers parting, no rain, rain, uh, raising children from the dead, uh, making armies blind and leading them into the enemy's camp. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. God's doing and showing us that he is able and willing to give each and every one of us a miracle. Why do I say that? Because miracles just rarely happen. They don't just happen. It is God's constant intervention in our lives that we call miracles. God desires to intervene in our lives. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Even if you don't believe. Even if you're not standing straight. No matter what, God is love. And he loves you the way you are. Hallelujah. Every single miracle, I counted 182 miracles. It probably depends on how you count, but it's close. 182 miracles in this book. You know that there is one common, commonality within every single miracle. They all started with a problem. Every single one of them. Naaman has a big problem. He has a problem that doesn't have an answer. He has a problem that he doesn't think can be resolved in, in normal fashions because he's tried everything. And today there's people in this room that have problems. Amen? You brought some problems into this place. Some of the problems are pretty big, and you are in need of a miracle. There are people in this room today whose marriages are failing. There are people in this room today bound up with addictions and, and, and just struggles in their life. There are people here today that need Jesus. There are people here today that don't know Jesus. There's a miracle. God wants to do a miracle in this place today. We, we have heard the miracles for the weeks and the months that have passed. But listen, today my heart, my prayer, and my prayers for this last week and a half are that we are preparing the soil of our heart to receive a miracle. It's just not God's going to do whatever God wants to do. But he also is willing to wait for us to do what we're supposed to do. And to be the people that he has called us to be, or at least to strive towards it. So what is it that we learn from Naaman's story? I'm going to be real simple here this morning. 
the very first thing that Naaman does to prepare the groundwork for his heart to receive a miracle is he admits he's got a problem. He admits he's got a problem. Sometimes we don't like to do that. A lot of times we, 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 we don't like, we think if we just don't talk about it, don't think about it, don't address it, then it's going to go away. And we all know that's not the case. But we don't like, some of us, to even admit we have a problem. Naaman knows he's got a problem. Naaman's more than likely you know, used everything to his resources, in his resources in the past, to try to achieve this answer, to be healed from leprosy. There was no coming back from leprosy. You had it, you were toast. Naaman knew, he realized one morning that, that if something doesn't happen, I'm going to lose everything. If something doesn't happen real soon, I'm going to lose my career. I'm going to lose my provisions. I'm going to lose my position. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to live in isolation and alienation. He admitted it right up front. His problem was so big, he couldn't deny it. You know what? Your problems and my problems are so big that we should not be denying it. We should own up to it and allow the grace of God to move in our lives, to show who he is in our lives. So we got to admit we have a problem. There are people in this room today that are lost and going to hell. That's a problem. That's a problem. And today, let's prepare our hearts to see what God wants to do with your problem. So we have to admit that I, I can't do it. That, that I fall short, that, that when I try to do it, I mess it up. When you try to do it, you mess it up. But Naaman was willing to admit he had a problem, right? Same with us. Not only that, Naaman was willing to admit, or better said, was willing. You're going to hear this word willing a lot in the next 10 minutes. Naaman was willing to do everything in his power to get his, that need met. He took his entourage. He took all the wealth of the king of Syria with him. Not all of it, but some scholars estimate it was well over $2 million. To the enemy's camp. He did everything he could. He brought his, his boys. His, 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 you know, he was a, a man of great valor, the new King James says. That he was a mighty man of God. So he, he, he was a leader. So he brought his whole entourage so that when he would go and do everything he could do to receive what he needed to receive, he was desperate. He was not going to give up. You've heard time and time again from this stage, do not give up. No matter what your problem is, no matter how big you think it is, God is bigger. Amen. Do not give up. So Naaman, at this point, does some pretty radical things that we can learn from, that you can learn from, that will prepare our hearts to receive the miracle that you need, that you need. Forget the person next to you, you, me. First thing that I observe in the text is that Naaman took advice 
from a slave girl. A slave girl. Let's put apart aside that she's a slave girl. She's a woman. She's a female. For, for a pagan to even be caught in the presence of a woman, no less take the little girl's advice, is a minor miracle in itself. Not only that, he took the advice of an Israelite girl, the enemy, to his king. He took it to the very top, to the very top authority in his land and told the king what the girl said. So because Naaman was touched by God, or was the Lord says, the book says that the Lord gave the army of Syria victories. Naaman was willing to go to the enemy's land with his king's money and to purchase his problem fixer. His problem fixer. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to give all that he had to live. All of it. And some. The king hooked him up too. All of it was worthless to him, but he was willing to sacrifice. And let me tell you something. You have a problem. You're looking for a miracle. No miracles happen apart from sacrifice. Sacrifice. Naaman was willing to sacrifice everything so that his miracle would come, so that he would prepare his heart, knowingly or unknowingly, to receive that miracle from God, from the prophet. He was willing to sacrifice. We too. Here, let's say it this way. Willing to sacrifice. My kingdom fall. I know we're always hearing about how, how Jesus makes us feel and it's always this and it's always that and everything is supposed to be this and supposed to be that. Let me tell you. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But in the area of miracles, there better be a sacrifice. There better be a sacrifice if you're preparing your heart to receive the groundwork of God's miracle-making power. Naaman needed it. He gave it. He knew that his career would be over. He knew that his family, he would lose his family. He knew that all his possessions were worthless. Apart from the answering of this miracle, the answering of this prayer. You're in here today, and you need a financial miracle. You better be willing to sacrifice and discipline yourself in that area so that God can prepare your heart for a miracle. Maybe you need a marriage miracle today. You need to sacrifice. I need to sacrifice whatever is in front of my marriage so that the marriage, your marriage, my marriage, our marriages can be healthy because they are the priority. Take sacrifice. Everybody knows there's a lot going on in life. Everybody's got, a, got something to do. Sacrifice to what's really important will prepare the groundwork for your miracle. Maybe you need a physical miracle. Maybe you're in here and your body's broken and you need God to heal it. Don't just sit home don't just sit home and wallow in it, right? In this climate that we live in, 
our health care system, you need to go be an advocate for yourself because nobody else is going to do it. In other words, you just can't sit around and do nothing and expect God to do everything. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you're receiving something, that is because someone or Christ himself has made the sacrifice for it. We want to prepare our hearts. We want to prepare the groundwork for, for that miracle. Be ready to sacrifice. Be willing to give it up. God is looking for people who are willing to sacrifice. The word sacrifice, very important. But the word willing is just as important. Because you could sacrifice without a willing heart and you just missed it. You could do the right thing and be wrong. God says, listen, I am looking, I am looking for people who are willing to sacrifice and believe what I say. Your miracle is on the way. We're preparing our hearts. Look at the fish and the loaves, right? Everybody who's been in church for any amount of time has heard the story of 5,000 being fed or the multitudes being fed. Matter of fact, it's in every single gospel. It's the only miracle in all the gospels. So it's got to be important. So one person out of 5,000, probably 8,000 with kids and ladies, one person comes, shows up with a meal. Not even a meal. It was like lunch, snacks. And because Jesus asked for it, the kid willingly gave it. He was willing to sacrifice what was asked of him. And I'm here standing before you today and before God, and I'm asking you, are you willing to sacrifice so that you can prepare your heart to receive the miracle that you have to have? For you to be what God has called you to be, your miracle has to happen. Has to happen. Naaman's did. Naaman was willing to sacrifice. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Probably another illustration, another story that you've heard before. This woman was, was bleeding internally for at least 12 years. She spent every penny she had on physicians of the day to be made well. She was willing. She, she knew she had a problem. She was willing to, to, to do something about it. And she was willing to sacrifice everything she had for it. Or my kingdom fall. In other words, my kingdom has to fall so his kingdom can be raised up. Amen? My kingdom needs to decrease so that his kingdom can increase in me. You're not hearing me. Because it's not easy. Because we want our own kingdom to come. We want our own walls to stay up. doesn't work that way. If you're looking for a miracle, you need to sacrifice your kingdom. What is that? Your agenda, your purposes, my agenda, my purposes, whatever it may be, holding you back from sacrificing, it's got to go to receive your miracle. Here's a disclaimer. No sacrifice? Here you go. No miracle. It's not going to happen. More than likely, it's not going to happen. You take your Bibles, you go home today, and you look over the miracles in this book. And I, I assure you, for the most part, you will find an element of sacrifice because of it. I'm not blowing smoke at you. Naaman knew it. God knows it. That's how he deals with our hearts. That's how he truly wants. See, Naaman, he wanted to be healed physically. And God was fine with that. He said, listen, here's specific instructions. Specific. Go to the Jordan. 
By the way, the Jordan is the nastiest river in the area. People bathe in the Jordan upstream, and all that comes downstream. The Jordan's almost always muddy. Naaman never would have thought that him bathing in a dirty river would answer and achieve the miracle in which he was preparing his heart to receive. We look at things on how God ought to do them. We have this preconceived notion that, that God's going to do it this way. Or, or you're sitting here today and you're lost and you know you're lost. You know that, that you are not right with God. You do nothing about it. He'll let, you, he'll let you wallow in it. He'll let you sit in it. Right? But then he's going to tell you, I want you to sacrifice this. I want to show you that. Where is your heart in this? You see, we can't, we can't look at our neighbor and say, yeah, this is really for him or her. No. This is for me. This is for me. I don't know about you, but I need some miracles, man. I need for God to intervene in my life to change who I am. And I know without a shadow of a doubt for me that I have to sacrifice. That I am willing, not only to sacrifice, Naaman was willing to change. Whoa. Whoa, now you're really stepping on my toes. Listen, now you want me not to be who I want to be? You always hear that, you know, be you, be you. Great, be you, but allow God to move in you. We need to be people who are willing and ready to prepare our hearts to receive a miracle. We show up in a building every Sunday with, with very low expectations in general. We were asked this morning, the leadership team, what we need from God. How many people in this place came today, came here with absolutely no expectations except to hear some really good music and hear Pastor Lucas preach and, 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 and then go home? That is a waste of time, people, especially if you're dying and going to hell. The Bible says that I am dead in my transgressions, meaning there is nothing I can do to save me, meaning I can't produce my own miracle. And neither can you. Doesn't matter how much money you got or how big your houses are or how fancy your cars are. It means nothing. What it really means is what are you willing to sacrifice and are you willing to change? Naaman was willing to change. He had his entourage. He took all his cash money. He showed up at the, at the prophet's door, parked out front, and waited for the prophet to come out. What happened? He didn't come out. He sent his servant out and said, listen, specific instructions. Go dip yourself in that muddy river over there seven times. <laughs> Naaman was furious. He was bent. Don't you know that I'm a person of wealth? Don't you know that, that I'm a man of valor? Don't you know that I'm, I'm the captain of the army? You don't even come to the door? But listen, many times God does miracles in our lives in different ways than we anticipate. There's a lot of muddy rivers that we're supposed to be dipping ourselves in that we just don't see how God could use that. There's muddy rivers right out your side, right out your door that you just can't conceive of dipping yourself in. I'm telling you, we have to be people who are willing to admit I got a problem, willing to do whatever I can in that problem, I'm not going to sit there and feel sorry for myself. I know people who their identity is being sick. They love it. That sounds crazy, right? But they do. They, 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 they take their person from their illness 
and, and, and kind of wallow in it. God says, no way, no way. There's a dirty river over there. Go dip yourself. That don't make any sense to me. I'm not doing it. It's got to make sense for me to do it. That's not how God rolls. Or it would have happened already for you. We got to be willing to change. Why? Because when God does a supernatural intervention in your life, when God does a miracle in your life, you know what's going to happen? Everything's going to change. Everything. Everything is going to change. And when it does, it changes us. It changes you as a person. It changes me as a person. That's what he's looking for. Willing to change. Because when God does something, it's going to change anyway. Naaman was willing to change. How was he? How was, how was Naaman changed? Check it out. Obviously, he was healed of his leprosy, right? Right? He was changed another way, though. The way I read my Bible, sounds like this dude got saved to me. Sounds like when he went under for the seventh time, when he came up, he realized that God was who he said he was. Right? There is no other God. There's only one God. No other God. He was willing. He was ready to do whatever God called him to do. But when he came up out of that water, he knew Jesus. As far as I'm concerned, he's worshiping God alone. He was changed. Now here's the deal. Check it out. Here's the Jordan. You are sitting in the muddy Jordan right now. You are in the word of God, the truth, the power, the moving of God's word. You are sitting in the muddy Jordan. And let me tell you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're about to go down for the seventh time. And you're about to come up renewed. You're about to come up redeemed. Well, check it out. You don't understand how that works. Hey, join the crowd. Miracles are mysteries in a way. That's what makes them miracles. But you, and thank God me, that I'm in that Jordan, and I'm dipping for the last time. And when I come up out of that nasty water, God is going to move in my behalf. God is going to move in your behalf. You're going to come up out of that Jordan today redeemed. You're going to come up out of that Jordan today healed. You're going to come up out of that Jordan today with your marriage restored, with your miracle at hand. You don't understand it? Well, listen, it is an act of faith. We have to walk by faith. So listen, with all eyes closed, out of respect to everybody else and all heads bowed, and I'll call you out if you're looking at me. You're, you're, you're in the river. You're in the river, Jordan, right now. And you've dipped six times, and your miracle hasn't happened. But you know what? There is still that last dip. And right now, right here, Naaman never knew that he was going to be redeemed. He was just expecting his, his skin to be healed. Right now, you have an opportunity to walk in your miracle. We will admit we have a problem to ourselves. We will do everything in our, in our strength 
to be what God's called us to be in the midst of our miracle. We are preparing our hearts as we are willing to sacrifice whatever it takes, but yet knowing that it is sheer grace, sheer grace that we are saved. Bible told me that I was dead in my trespasses, that I, am, I have a sin problem, that I am going to die and go to hell apart from the work of Jesus Christ on that cross. Now listen, I'm not here to tell you you're going to need to try to figure it out, that, that you have to understand it before you walk by faith. You have to understand that you're coming up out of that water for the seventh time and, and that your miracle is going to happen. But you do have to walk by faith, not by sight. So stop trying to figure it out. Just live by faith. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come to the sea.